Welcome to a talk from St. Saviour's Sunbury. We hope it blesses you. Have you ever imagined who is in heaven? Have you ever given any thought to who might be in heaven? Have a look around you. <laughs> have a look around. Have a, have a think. Do you think that person, is that person going to be, be there with me? Uh, probably be, will be uh, people, a whole load of people that you don't actually know as well as some people that you do know well um, and uh, maybe even some people that you don't like as well don't get along with and recently a teacher a bin man and a politician wound up together at the pearly gates St Peter informed them that in order to get into heaven they would each have to answer one question St Peter addressed the teacher and asked what was the name of the ship that crashed into the iceberg uh, that simple uh, that would be the Titanic. St. Peter let him through the gate. St. Peter turned to the bin man and figuring that heaven didn't really want all the smells that this guy would bring with him, decided to make the question a little harder. How many people died on the ship? Well, fortunately for him, the bin man had just seen the move and he answered 1,500. And that's right, said St. Peter, you may enter. St. Peter then turned to the politician and said, name them, all of them. <laughs> Do you know... Do you know that the church is the perfect place for imperfect people? Do you realize that? I see a few of you nodding. Have a look around. Have a look around at the people gathered around you. The church is the perfect place for imperfect people. Now turn to the person next to you and say, you're imperfect. <laughs> I, can, I, never get, I can never get in quick enough and say, I'm only joking. Why would you turn to the person? No. Now turn to the person next to you and say, but God loves you. God loves you. Look, we know we are imperfect. We know we're imperfect. So today, today I'm going to talk about the F word. And uh, no, I don't mean I'm going to drop the F bomb in church. Uh, but I'm going to talk about fellowship. I'm going to talk about community. And um, I'm hoping that we've got our uh, values video to take a look at. So we have four values here. The one this morning is going to be particularly about community that we're looking at. Amazing, I think. Uh, therefore, so that's what, that's what we're about. That's some of our values that we like to live under, how we like to exhibit ourselves, if you like, the rules that we live by. This week we're going to look at community. Next week, do come along. It's our youth-led service. Uh, they're going to be looking at what it means to be relevant today. So we're going to look at community and being in, uh, doing the F word together, uh, being in fellowship with one another. Um, and particularly, I want to look at what that looks like to those sorts of people that we don't actually like this morning, the ones that maybe you don't really want to share heaven with. Maybe those people that have a different political view than you. Maybe if you're on one side of the Brexit argument, um, you know, it's 50-50 or is it 49-51 to be a bit more precise. You know, those people maybe look, look, view the, the Bible, the scripture a little bit differently than what we might do. Those people who like rugby, those people who look different, no, that was sorry. Those people who look different, make different life choices, parent differently, pray differently, worship differently, dress differently. You know, even those people that like different football teams. You ready for this? Different football teams like Hull or Chelsea. You know, even those sorts of people. How do we get along with those sorts of people? 
And uh, you, you know what I'm talking about, and I'm, I'm guessing that, you know, as I talk and I talk about that, people are coming to mind, maybe a particular person or, or a particular people group that comes to mind. And, and if that person is sat next to you, well, then things just got a little bit awkward. You know, and, in, and if you're married to that person who's sat next to you, then things got super awkward. But we all have those people in our lives. We all have those people in our lives. And whether it, it's at work or at college and university or in the playground or, or maybe even shock horror in our church. Now, I'll be honest with you. I think at St. Saviour's, I think we do generally do a good job at welcoming people, at accepting people. See, a few of you are nodding. I think you agree with me. But the truth also is like we really like to associate with people who are like us, who, who believe what we believe, who, who dress like us maybe, who behave like us, eat what we eat, watch the movies that we watch. It's really good and nice and easy to stay in this comfort zone, this bubble that we can create around us with similar like-minded folk. But the problem, of course, is that that Jesus doesn't want us to just stay there. It is wonderful to be with like-minded people. But God doesn't want us to stay there. He wants us to move out of our comfort zone. We're called out of our comfort zone. And part of the problem is when we stay in this wonderful little bubble of safety and security is that we, we build, it's not just a bubble. We, in fact, start building up barriers around us. Little bricks, little stones that build up a brick wall around us. Some of those are big stones and big bricks and some of them are small but what I've understood over time is that each and every one of them brings this disunity to us, particularly as a church, but also to our community. We put ourselves on one side of a brick wall and, and everyone else or somebody else who's different from you on the other side of the brick wall. And all that does is breed disunity. And um, it's got to stop. It's got to stop. It's got to stop. And it's, it's not a new thing. There's nothing new in that, but I plead with you this morning. That's got to stop. The things that set me off are probably different than the things that set you off. Um, but I'm sure you can relate. Maybe you just hear a conversation uh, of a colleague at work, and it sets you off. Maybe, like me, I find social media can make me particularly, set me off in a particular way. I see someone post something or says something, and I'm, I'm off on one. Uh, you know, whatever it is, something that people do, they get under your skin and off you go. Maybe if you're really bold, maybe if you're really courageous, you, you say something to them. Maybe you just write some sort of comment. Maybe you do something anonymously. Perhaps you complain to a friend or your partner. Maybe you just have an argument with them in your head. Uh, I hope you know what I'm talking about. For much of my life, I thought, well, what does it matter? What does it matter? I'm entitled to my opinions, plus I'm right. You know, I'm justified in my beliefs. I'm the one who's right, they're in the wrong. You know what, shortly after I got married, I began to see the error in my thinking. You know, whether I'm right or wrong actually doesn't really matter. What I have done is I've played my part in, in creating a barrier in building a brick wall between me and someone else. And uh, that's not right. It's not right for the church. It's not right for our community either. I'm guessing I'm not the only one who's experienced that. And um, the disagreements 
uh, go all the way back to Adam and Eve. Uh, you know, we have to learn, and we have examples about how to, to live well in community together. We have to learn to do the F word together. We have to learn to do that well. You know, other people's views, whether they are theological, political, about lifestyle, whatever it is, you need to know that they're not actually, that's not the enemy. Other people's views are not the enemy. You know, I read this book over Christmas about how to survive, uh, and it's crossed out how to thrive, it says, as a church leader. Um, boy, do I need that. And um, it says, don't sweat the small stuff. So how much of it are we sweating over small stuff? Don't sweat the small stuff. But I want to reassure you that those people, whoever they are that are different to you, they are not the enemy. So if you'd like to open up your Bibles, we're going to have a look at a passage from the letter that Paul, who wrote the majority of the New Testament, uh, to a church in Ephesus, which is in modern-day Turkey. Uh, so we're in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11, starting at verse 11. Uh, you flip open your phones if you want to. It's absolutely fine. If you've got a church Bible, it's 1174. Do open up your Bibles. Check this out, verse 11 and 12. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles, that's everyone who wasn't Jewish or, or an Israelite, those of you who are Gentiles by birth, and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision. I'm just watching to see how that gets signed. The circumcision. Thank you. Uh, remember that at that time, you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope, and without God in the world. Wow. By the time this, this letter was written, uh, the uh, apostles, the witnesses, the first witnesses to, to, the, to Jesus, his life, his resurrection, uh, they'd passed on. This is a, a letter written to maybe second, maybe perhaps third generation children of children. And, and what Paul is, is trying to do is he's trying to remind them of the story of God. He's trying to remind them that it wasn't so long ago that they were excluded from community, from fellowship with God, which in the Old Testament was only meant for the Israelites. Paul's reminding them of their past, and you know we need that reminder constantly too. At some point, you and I lived without God and without hope in this world. Maybe that's the story that you're still living in. Maybe you're still living without God and without hope. We'd love to pray for you. That was my story. I lived without God for 32 years, without hope. Don't miss the next verse, verse 13. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. But now, great words, but now changes everything. We were once without hope, we were once lost, we were once excluded, we were once separated from the Father. Now, but now, that is no longer your story. Now, you are in community with God. You, are, you have fellowship with God. At one point in your life, you were without God and you were without hope. 
now, but now, you have hope. At one point, you were lost in your mistakes, your failures, your darkness, your anger, your jealousy, your sin. You had no hope. And, and later, uh, earlier on actually, um, Paul writes a letter to the church in Rome. And he says there's a consequence of living this life without God and without hope. And the consequence is death. Not the one that we're all going to die anyway because we're mortal, but eternal death. Where you are heading without God and without hope is an eternal death. That's the direction our, our lives were heading in. But then Jesus enters into the picture and the story, history, his story changes. He said, you no longer have to suffer for your mistakes. I will suffer for you. I will take the, the blame. I will take the shame. I will take all of that for you in your place. And because of that, because of this, we went from being far from God to being near to God, to being brought close into relationship with God. And Paul is reminding us through these words where we were and where we are now by the grace of God. But we have a tendency to forget. The people of God had a tendency to forget about the covenant promises, the faithfulness of God, his goodness. You can read it. Sometimes we forget because our lives, they don't actually reflect this grace and this mercy that we've received from God. Sometimes we live like Monday through Saturday, like we've forgotten. And Paul is reminding us, and he continues on, verse 14 to 16. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. By setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. Jesus' sacrifice goes a lot further than just getting you out of hell for free. Paul is reminding us of things that used to keep us apart, the things that we used to fight about that divided us, our differences, our, our opinions, our lifestyles, the choice of football team, these sorts of things no longer divide us. Jesus put to death on the cross all of that hostility, all of our hostility towards each other in order for us to be in community, to do the F word together. Because of what Jesus did on the, cross, on the cross. You and I can live at peace with God and with one another. With all the people that are like us, but also with those people who are different to us. Here's a question for you. I wonder if you see that peace in your life. I wonder if you see that peace in this church in your church. I wonder if you see peace with your family and your friends and your neighbors and the person sitting next to you or even with your pastor. Is there peace? Or is there an absence of peace? I can tell you that God has done his part in bringing you peace. Peace. 
and get a little bit more personal. Is there, is there any hostility in your life to the person who worships differently than you? Can you say there's peace between you and the person that thinks differently from you about women in leadership or same-sex attraction or the rights of unborn babies to live? What about if you've fallen out with somebody over something? You know, you fill in the gaps. This happens to us all. Are you able to pause long enough to remember the peace that Jesus brings and the fact that Jesus loves that person? Jesus went to the cross for those people. You know, those are the walls, those are the brick walls that we put up, the barriers we put up, that Jesus and his death on the cross tore right down. Are we going to be the people that continue to build them up again? We're not called to think the same, to vote the same, to be the same person, but we all are called to unity, to peace with one another, to live in community with one another. And we can do that here very practically. Um, it was great to hear some of the testimonies this morning of uh, our small groups, uh, what we call life groups. Um, is Julie around? Julie's our life groups. Different Julie. Uh, okay, there's Ro pretending to be Julie. Um, Julie is uh, Julie Catchmore is our life groups leader, so she kind of manages all of the work that happens in our small groups. Uh, do speak to Ro if you're interested in joining one of those groups. Have we got any life group leaders that would be able to put their hands up right now? Gets quite a few of you in the room. You can have a look around, see those guys. You can talk to them about what life is like in a life group. Anyone else who's in the church who's also in a life group? Okay, a fair number of you. If you're not in a life group, you didn't put your hand up, do have a chat with those people and see what it's like, what life is like um, in those places. Check out, back to the scriptures, just check out how he finishes this section. Uh, Verse 17, he came, this is Jesus he's talking about, he came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Finally, the message, the good news, the gospel is for who? For all of us. Who's it for? All of us. All of us, what, in here? And everyone. The gospel, the good news is not to be contained within this community here. It's for all of us. Jesus' sacrifice means we don't suffer the eternal consequences for our sin, that we can live in community with him, with fellowship with him right now, and the people around us, and even those people. That's why the church exists. It's why one of our key values is community. It's why there are men hanging out together, having breakfast on a Wednesday morning. It's why we have come lunch with us most first Sundays of the month so people can eat together. It's why every week on a Wednesday there is a lunch for our community to come together, to eat together. It's why our food bank clients now spend Mondays and Thursdays with us over tea and coffee and cake. You know, when we, when we live in community with those who are different to us, we show a little bit, a little taste of what heaven will be like. God's made it very clear who is in. He's made it very easy to understand who he loves. And he loves everyone, all people, even those people. 
So just before the band come up, there's three things I just think about that you might be able to do to apply this to your lives. Um, and maybe one of them will stick. Maybe one of them will be the thing that Holy Spirit convicts you of and says, yeah, let, let's do this together. And one thing is maybe, maybe expand your circle. Here is the group of, of friends, of people that you, that you hang with, that you know, that you eat with, and whatever it might be. Maybe go and chat to somebody else. Maybe when it's time for lunch, have, uh, have lunch with somebody else. Maybe invite someone different to your home or meet them for a coffee or whatever. Get to find out a little bit more about their journey, about who they are, about encouraging them along the way, about who God's made them and called them to be. Um, maybe, maybe there's conflict in your life. Maybe the conflict is with your pastor. Please form an orderly queue after the service if the conflict is with your pastor. Maybe, maybe there's someone else. Um, but seek resolution to that conflict. Don't allow those barriers to remain in place. It's not what we're called to. It's not why Jesus went to the cross. Maybe, maybe you've been hurt and you need to, to, uh, to ask. Or maybe you've been the person that has done the hurting. You know, go and talk to them. In Matthew 18, if you read Matthew 18, it gives us a great example of what we're to do where there is conflict, where we disagree with someone. Uh, it says that you are to go and talk to the person, bring the, bring the issue to their attention, as it were. And if they refuse or don't listen, bring one other person to mediate with you. If that doesn't work, bring in the church leader and he'll whoop their backsides. No, jokes, that doesn't say that in Matthew 18. Look, I realize how tough that can be but we're also called to be those kind of people. Um, and lastly, maybe, maybe this is you. Maybe just stop bashing people on Facebook, in conversations, in text, whatever it might be. Maybe just put that down and become an, in, become an encourager. Thanks, Nyasha. Amen. Become an encourager. Somebody who builds people up. Amen. Hey. What you say... What you do can keep people from entering into community. Community with God and community with other people. Every day, people are looking at this church. Every day, people are looking at you. Every day, people are looking at me. Is this Jesus guy worth following? Does he make a difference in people's lives? Is any of what, they, what he preaches about on a Sunday, is any of that actually true? Does that reflect in the way that we are? The way that you and I act, the things we say, the way we handle conflict, the way we live life in community says something about God, who God is. So my last question is, is he worth following? That's not rhetorical. Is he worth following? Okay. So just in the moment of silence, as the band prepare to play if he is worth following if he has the answer to life and life in all its fullness and he has broken down the walls for you to be in community with God and with one another what are you going to do what little thing or big thing are you going to change what's the part that you're going to play in making this place a place of community, a place of welcome and acceptance and encouragement. For more information about St. Saviour's, please visit our website at www.stsaviourssunbury.org.uk.